Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Week three is the final week of our series called Ruined. It's kind of going to be the like launch into this season, okay? In October, we're going to kind of go off the back of this series and look at something different, but connected to the church and who the church is and what the church is going forward. But I want to ask you a question this morning. Who, who of you loves, okay? And you can answer this if you're online or in a location. Who of you love, you love DIY? Let me just see your slightly scary hand. Okay. Both of you, that's brilliant. Not many people admit, and there are some. Who, who you love, maybe you don't love DIY, but you love fixing up things. You love fixing up, or maybe you love getting people in to fix up things. Anyone love that? Yeah, yeah, now the hands are going up. I have to tell you, when it comes to DIY, I'm horrible at it, all right? So however bad you imagine I am, it's worse, all right? Am I right, Alison? It's the truth. I'm horrible. I'm just so, so impractical. It's embarrassing. I look at people who can, like in our Connect group where we were, um, I won't say they are because they're over there, the Turners. There you go, I've done it. And they love that fixer up thing and it's so good. And I'm so kind of jealous because I'm absolutely horrible at it. But maybe like me, you like the programs where other people do it. So I don't know what your favourite program is, changing rooms, grand designs. Yes, we've got, that's two. Somebody said they're both of them. DIY SOS. In, no, okay. Interior design masters, extreme makeover, fixer upper, flip or flop. All of these kind of programs draw us into the idea that you can make something out of a mess. And last week, Sunday, which of course was obliterated a little bit for us with the death of the Queen, it was also September the 11th, where we remember 21 years ago, It was that, and now it's that. And I've had the privilege of going to both and standing in the ruins of this before that came into being. But you know, it's one thing to rebuild a tower or a building. It's another thing to rebuild a life. It's another thing to rebuild a marriage. It's another thing to rebuild a family or a community or a business or a nation or a church. It's another thing to see a reimagined future coming out of that that is ruined. But we've been looking these last couple of weeks at this Old Testament character called Nehemiah. And we've been looking at the fact that Nehemiah invites God to restore within him a vision of what could be and what should be. Not to rebuild what was the past, but to restore and renew and to rebuild what could be and what should be. Nehemiah then invites God to renew within him a reimagined future. And he's ruined by that vision. And now today we're looking at the fact that then Nehemiah calls others into action because it's time to rebuild. And I believe that there's a call on each and every one of us and especially if you're a follower of Jesus today. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I'm gonna talk mostly to those people that are followers of Jesus, okay? So if you're not, You can sit back and say, that's fine. doesn't apply to me. It applies to the rest of them, all right? But you'll get a window into what it does mean to be a follower of Jesus. You see, I think we are called in this cultural moment to rebuild our broken world. And we've called the title today, Rebuilding a Broken World. I don't know about you, but our world's pretty broken right now, right? And we are called as followers of Jesus who sit sometimes in our own brokenness and in our own pain But even in the middle of that, we're called to be rebuilders of our broken world. 
So we're going to go into Nehemiah chapter. There's going to be a lot of Bible this morning, okay? So stick with me. But it says this in Nehemiah 3 verse 1. Eliashib, the high priest and his fellow priest, went to work. Say, went to work. Say it enthusiastically, come on. <laughs> went to work, thank you over there. And they rebuilt the sheep gate. They got to work rebuilding what was broken. And if you read through chapter three, it's really interesting because there's a repeating word. In verse two, it says next to them. Verse four, the next section. Verse seven, next to them. Verse eight, they repaired the next section. Verse nine, they repaired the next section. Then they changed the word from next to adjoining to, which is the same as next. And so you get this sense that next, 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 next. So basically the people got stuck in right where they were. So they didn't, they didn't kind of say, okay, in order to rebuild the broken world, I need to get on a plane and go to the other side of the world. Important though that is, they got to work stuck in right where they were, next to them, in front of them, right where they were. But not everyone did. Look at verse five of chapter three. The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. Isn't that an interesting phrase? They would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisor. So maybe they got involved or maybe they looked like they were rebuilding, but they weren't really because they didn't put their effort into it. They weren't putting their shoulders to it. What held them back? What, 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 what caused them to, to not get stuck in in the way that others did? The same things that maybe are affecting many of us right now. And after the back of COVID, this is a global issue, certainly in the Western church, that many of us who are followers of Jesus who were stuck in before are finding it harder to get stuck in right now. Maybe I'm emotionally exhausted right now, is what you're saying. Maybe I'm juggling too many situations. Maybe, maybe I'm caring for elderly relatives. Maybe my work is really demanding. Maybe my kids are doing my head in. Or maybe something has died on the inside of me and I'm getting I'm just struggling to get stuck in and put my shoulder to the work. But the reality is, guys, as followers of Jesus, if you say you are, we are called to imitate him. Who The Bible says, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the form of a servant. He got stuck in. He got stuck in. And I wanna, I wanna give you a little bit of a, a different kind of talk this morning. I want to talk a little bit about the reality of the world that we're living in right now when it comes to church and faith, because we are in a history-making season. I've said that a lot. I think that's absolutely true, okay? Any historian, sociologist, missiologist that you read these days say, this is a changing of the God. This is a changing of seasons. And right now, when it comes to faith, especially in the Western world, we've got four categories of people. None. Do you say none or none? It's like scone or scone. Who says none? Who says none? Okay, just the black country ones of us. None. Done. We don't say don't. Anyway, we've got none, done, some and come. So this is, we've got none. In other words, there's a growing number of people in the Western world now that aren't any forms or senses. When it says religious affiliation, they tick the box, none. That is growing at a rapid rate. There are some who would say they're done with church. They've been there, they've done that, they're moving on. There's, there's many people who, they some, they come sometimes. They come maybe high days and holidays, 
much less than they used to before COVID. They engage with the community. I'm not talking about coming on a Sunday, but I am. But I'm talking about engaging with the community, some. And then there are those who come, they're fully engaged. And a lot of these characteristics of people are changing at a rapid rate. And we, as the church, have to reimagine what the future could and should look like. You see, there's some massive shifts going on in our culture right now. I think if you look at the last couple of thousand years, we've gone from this. We've gone from pre-Christian, next slide, from pre-Christian to Christian to where we are right now, which is post-Christian. Okay. In terms of communication, we've gone from this. We've gone from oral to written, now to digital. These are massive shifts over the last few hundred years. Massive shifts from a pre-Christian to a Christian. Christian to a post-Christian context, from an oral to a written to a digital context, which means, guys, we need to start by the help of God to reimagine what the church could and should look like. Let me give you five little ideas. This is, this is big stuff, okay? I think moving from a centralised to a hybrid of centralised and decentralised, lots of big words there. Basically, what we are doing right now on Thursday, Alison and myself were over in Bromsgrove and you guys are meeting and we had such a brilliant time as two of the Connect groups came together and we spent time with them and listened to their stories and met God together with them and just the passion that they've got to reach people in their community. But this is a growing thing that people want to reach people in their community and at the same time stay a part of something bigger. And we're just kind of saying, God, are you doing something here through this whole journey at the moment? We haven't got it all worked out, but we feel that there's a shift and a reimagining of what community that becomes missional could look like. But there's some other shifts as well, from big or small to big and small. It's so important that you're in connect groups and smaller groups. Tuesday, Alison and I were in our connect group and in that bunch of people in a living room, just listening to God together and doing life together and sharing what's going on in our lives is so, so important from big to big and small. Number three, from consumer to contributor. Here's the thing. Those who criticise the most tend to contribute the least. And those who are satisfied the most tend to contribute the most. If you're not satisfied, my question is, are you contributing? Because when we contribute, we tend to not want to criticise so much because we're invested. We put our shoulder to the work. Another shift that I think is from monochrome to technicolour. We love the fact that we're becoming more of a multicultural church. We're not there yet, but that's the direction that we want to go. And not just in terms of ethnicity, but in terms of generation socioeconomic background. We love the fact that, yes, there are PhDs people and other people that may have got no education. You know, it's all right because together that becomes a reflection of the heart of God, not monochrome, but technicolour. And then finally, from overly complex to missionally simple. Guys, we exist as a church to help people find and follow Jesus. That's it. And in this ruined world that we live in, We need to reimagine a future and say, God, would you help us by your spirit, help us to rebuild our broken world by helping people find and follow Jesus. Guys, we have a moment in history. And as the church of Jesus Christ, this is our moment to put our shoulder to the work. This is our moment, guys, to get stuck in for Jesus and for eternity. You know, tomorrow there'll be this funeral of a 96-year-old lady and I honour her so much. And on Monday last, we did a funeral of a 41-year-old. 
And the reality is that whether you're 41 or 96, in the light of eternity, it's really short. And the thing that matters most is not what happens now, but where you go when you die. And there are thousands and millions of people who don't know Jesus. So the pressure on us and the call on us and the passion within us must be to tell those who don't know Jesus about him. I've just finished reading a book on the future called Rings of Fire, which is not anything to do with Lord of the Rings, all right? It's not. And Leonard Sweet, who writes it, this amazing quote I love. The church spends more time slandering its moment than savouring and saving its moment. If we loved the world as God so loved the world, we would love it well and love it to life. Absolutely love that. We want to be a church that doesn't just have placards saying what we're against. We want to be a church that lives out what we are for. God so loved the world that he gave. He loved the world to life. The only way we're going to change our world is love it to life and love it well. Isn't that right? So this is at the heart of Nehemiah. How do we rebuild a broken world? Let me just give you four ideas, okay, from Nehemiah. Number one, we rebuild with what we have. They used their work and they built near their homes. And I wanna say those two things are vitally important. Wherever you spend most of your time, God has placed you there, not just to get a paycheck, but to make a difference for the kingdom of God. And your home and people that live near your home, that's where God has placed you to make a difference for the kingdom of God. So those communities that you guys are connected with, wherever you are, whether you're in Rowley, Clippery, Bromsgrove, Duras, Albania, where I'll be tomorrow, Hales Owen, wherever, you are placed there for such a time as this. What does that look like? Take responsibility. Who's gonna set the culture in your office if it's not you? Who's going to set the culture in your uh, um, class or your, or your home or your community if it's not you? Because as a follower of Jesus, we should be the ones that take responsibility for setting that. We walk across a room, we invest and we invite, we build relationships and we're authentic and real as we do that. Rebuild with what we have, your work and your home is so, so important. But number two, we rebuild with others in mind. So it's not just about our work or our home. We rebuild with others in mind. And I'm going to just dive forward a little bit into Nehemiah chapter 5 because there's something really important in Nehemiah chapter 5. It's a few verses. It says this, Now the men and their wives raised a great outcry against their fellow Jews. Some were saying, We and our sons and daughters are numerous. In order for us to eat and stay alive, we must get grain. Others were saying, We are mortgaging our fields, our vineyards and our homes to get grain during the famine. Still others were saying, we have had to borrow money to pay the king's tax on our fields and vineyards. When I heard their outcry and these charges, I was very angry. And as they're rebuilding, there's a rising cost of living going on and there's injustice going on. And he's angry by that. Why? Because he's rebuilding with others in mind. Isn't it interesting that in our culture, I said it last week, we are, there's such a growth in the word self, isn't there? Self-care, self-directed, self-selected, self-service, selfie. In the interest, in these last few years, one of the, the biggest shows has been called This Is Us. And one of the biggest songs was, was this, is, this Is Me. You know, it's like, this is us and this is me. It's just me and us. And, and God calls us to live with others in mind. When I was growing up, one of my spiritual heroes was this guy, um, 
Next slide, thank you. William Booth, who was the founder of the Salvation Army, and this is towards the end of his life. And I was brought up along with Alison in the Salvation Army. And William Booth, in his, in his 80s, he was almost blind and very ill and, and couldn't um, attend events in person. Uh, and, but, but, it, but he sent a one word telegram calling the Salvation Army around the world. And the one word telegram, this Christmas message, was that word, others. That was it. His message was others. And I think that there's a call on the church of Jesus and this is so countercultural because we don't think like that, we think self. I need to look after me. I need some me time. Really hate that. Looking after yourself is really important, but me time, really hate that. God says, hey, look after yourself, but do it with others in mind. We rebuild with others in mind. You know, there's a Jewish tradition of the farmer, what the farmer does is leaves a corner of the field unharvested for those who are maybe poor or who are aliens, as they call them, immigrants and asylum seekers and what we would say. In other words, don't just think about you and your family, think about others. Think about others. And as we rebuild a reimagined future, we need to be a church that thinks about others. And so for us as a church, some of the things that we're looking at, um, Elevate is our social action program where we're putting furniture into people's houses, food bank, that's gone through the roof in terms of demand and need. Again, opportunities to serve if you've got time in the day, in the week to come and be a part of that. We've got one running in Rowley, we've got one running here. Warm Welcome is the project we're working on at the moment with other churches and other organisations that over the winter we want to open our building where the heating will be on where a warm drink will be available, where some warm food will be available, where some friendly chat will be available and it will be free. And if you and your family need it, it is open for you. The Bible talks in the Old Testament about the cities of refuge, places that people could go to. We as the church, this is our cultural moment to rebuild our broken world. And I love what Andy Stanley says. He says this, faith that doesn't do good is no good. And you can see that right through the Bible. Number three, we rebuild with resilience. Nehemiah chapter four, we see the opposition we looked at last week when Sanballat heard that we were rebuilding the wall. He became angry, was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews. What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was at his side, said, what they're building even a fox climbing on it would break down their wall of stones. And that ridicule and that opposition, that voice that you hear, is it worth it? Are we doing anything? Is this making a difference? That's the voice of the enemy that comes to stop us from doing what we know is right. How do they rebuild in Nehemiah 4 verse 6? It says, we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height. For the people worked, say it with, sorry, I can't hear you, with, all their heart, all their heart. They put everything into it. So, so important. But they didn't just work. Look at verse nine. But we prayed to our God and posted a guard day and night to meet this threat. So we didn't just work hard. We prayed and we trusted God. We acted and we prayed. We prayed and we acted. Or as St. Augustine says, he says it this way. Pray as though everything depended on God. Work as though everything depended on you. Not either or, but both and. But it gets tough. Nehemiah 4 verse 10 says this. Meanwhile, the people in Judah said, strength of the labourers is giving out. 
There's so much rubble that we cannot rebuild the wall. Guys, sometimes rebuilding is hard work, isn't it? You, you've done building projects, you've done garden projects where you think, why did I start this? You know, we're doing a lot of cleaning out at the moment and my wife working really hard yesterday and I was as well. I was, don't laugh, in bits, times. Uh, but you know, you start and you think, oh, why did I start this? And it gets really difficult. So Nehemiah inspires them by reminding them about why they are doing what they're doing. Look at these last, this last verse, 14. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember, next verse, remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. What's the faith of the next generation worth to you? Tell you what it should be worth, everything. You know, I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations in the last few weeks of people who are Christians whose kids now are disconnected and disengaged and there's no judgment in what I'm saying. There's nothing that guarantee your kids will follow Jesus all the way through your life. There's nothing for any of us. But say what is a guarantee? You stop them connecting or you go slack on them connecting with other, other believers and church. That's a guarantee that you're gonna struggle later down the track. It just is. You just look at what happens. In those crucial years of childhood and early teens, if we don't make that a commitment, don't be surprised when they start walking away. What is the faith of the future worth to you and worth to me? It should be worth everything. So we want to reimagine the future. We rebuild with resilience and with grit. But number four, we rebuild with God. Amen. We don't rebuild on our own, guys. We rebuild with God. Look at this beautiful verse. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But I prayed, now strengthen my hands. Those of you as parents who, and it is tough for you right now, your kids are suffering from mental health or anxiety or they're struggling with God or with church or they're, they're just all over the place. My prayer, our prayer for you is that God would strengthen your hands. Parenting is one of the difficult, most difficult and yet most rewarding things that we can ever do. And we wanna rebuild the broken world, don't we? For our kids and for the future. But maybe you're trying to rebuild a broken marriage. My prayer for you is that God would strengthen your hands. Maybe you're trying to rebuild uh, your, your broken self and your emotional or your mental well-being. My prayer is that God would heal you. God would strengthen you. But you know, ultimately, Nehemiah trusted in God himself. And so then the final verse says this that we're going to look at. So the war was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. When all our enemies heard about this, I love this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realised that this work had been done with the help of our God. Guys, if we're going to rebuild our broken world, it won't be by us just trying harder, important though that is. It will be because God is building in us and through us. Amen. And when God builds, He builds really, really well. So I want to invite you as we finish our series together. I think it's time for you and I to get ruined for what breaks the heart of God. And maybe for you as a follower of Jesus, you've been like one of those people like Tekoa that 
kind of isn't putting your shoulder to the work right now. Maybe you've stopped kind of investing at work. Maybe you've kind of, you know, withdrawn a little bit from your neighbours. Maybe you backed away from community and from serving within the church. And we've been so thrilled that so many people have been signing up to the dream team and trying to find a place to serve. And they say that newer people joining a church will more easily serve than those who've been in the church a long time who just for whatever reason have stopped serving. Maybe that's true, I don't know. But whoever you are, whether you are new or whether you've been around ages or whether you're just checking this out, I wanna encourage you. This is the moment to put our shoulder to the work because our community and our kids and our future need it. They need you and I to put our shoulder to the work, to rebuild a better future where the Kingdom of God is what builds and restores and renews and revitalizes people and communities. So it's time for us to get ruined again. So in week one, I said this, that D.L. Moody, that famous evangelist in the middle of the Chicago fire, made a commitment that he would never preach a message without giving people an opportunity to get right with God. And then last week we looked at Isaiah that that in the midst of the year that the the king died, he saw the Lord and he was ruined by a vision of that. And he said, here I am, send me. And my prayer for you and I is that in the year that the queen dies, we wanna see the Lord. And we wanna be ruined for a vision like that. So I'm gonna invite you to stand with me wherever you are here in the room, whether you're in one of our locations, I'm gonna invite you to stand. And we're gonna pray. And I'm gonna ask you, to do business with God this morning. I'm gonna ask you to ask God to ruin you in a good way, to give you a vision, a vision of what God can do in you and through you. And just like uh, Isaiah said, your response, my response is, hey, here am I, here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. Hey, in my office, here am I. I'm there already, send me, I'm gonna make a difference. In my street, send me, I'm already there. In my church that I'm a part of, hey, send me. I'm gonna put my shoulder to the work. I'm gonna get stuck in. I'm gonna find a place to serve because I wanna be part of your rebuilding project for planet Earth. So if that's you, I wanna pray for you right now. And maybe as I pray, there are some of you who say, oh, Leon, that's all very well and good, but you don't know what's going on in my life. No, I don't. You don't know what's going on in mine, neither. But in the middle of our brokenness and in the middle of our mess, we wanna say, God, would you not only rebuild us, but use us for the sake of others. Let's pray. Jesus, we invite you right now in these moments Ruin us in a good way. Break our heart for what breaks yours. God, help us to put our shoulder to the work and to work with all of our heart, dependent on You. But passionate for what You're passionate about. God, help us to be those people that set good culture where we work and where we live and get stuck in, in the community of faith that You've called us to be a part of. And Lord, in these days where it's so easy to draw the, the, the drawbridge and just, just, just stick with me and mine and Netflix and, and just all that, God, help us to be bigger than that. Help us to be bigger people than just ourselves. For goodness sake, there's a world that needs You. 
you stepped out of heaven for us, at least we can do is to walk across the road for somebody else. So God, help us, I pray. And now, Lord, as we spend a few minutes just in your presence and with this beautiful song, Ruins, that just reminds us what you can do. Nothing is irreparably damaged or harmed. God, I pray. Jesus, I pray. There are ruined lives here in this place. There are ruined lives in locations and online that feel that it's irreparably damaged or harmed, but it's not. And in Jesus' Name, as we sing this song, Holy Spirit, would You put fresh vision for our lives into our heart, I pray. And if that is you, and you feel that actually your life right now is a little bit of a mess, as we sing this song, that the guys introduced to us a few weeks ago. Remember, they filmed it in the old fire damage building. As we sing it, don't just sing it. Speak it over your life. Speak it prophetically over your life today. There are some of you today and you feel that it's over for you, that the past is all that you've got. You've got nothing in terms of the future. As you sing this song, speak it over your life as a prophetic declaration of what God wants to do. And as we worship, let's receive from Him today in Jesus' Name.